This is the Ignition Point, Clayton Bradley Academy's podcast, where every day we work to help students excel through critical thinking, problem solving, collaboration, and use of our lifelong guidelines and life skills. The next couple of podcasts are going to feature some of our newer staff to Clayton Bradley Academy. Today's is going to be Stephen Otis, which works with our 6th and 7th grade social studies classes. I'd like to welcome to the podcast today, Stephen Otis. Stephen is one of our new teachers in our 6th and 7th grade classes. He handles the 6th and 7th grade um, social studies class, but is also a council house leader for which council house? See ya. See ya. Otters. And so uh, he plays double role there. And he also helps coach, right? Yeah, elementary cross country. Elementary cross country coach. So I want to introduce him to our podcast audience and uh, just start by telling us a little bit about yourself. So one, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks. And two, kind of how did you get to CBA? Yeah, uh, long road. Um, I found a treasure chest with a map in it. (laughs) This is exactly how I thought this was going to (laughs) go. Well, I didn't say an actual physical treasure chest in my mind. Okay. (laughs) No, I uh, I've been teaching. Yeah, uh, like my journey here is it it comes from like a couple of passions. So years ago, I I found Clayton Bradley. Well, I I knew a couple of people that worked here. Um, I was actually playing. Uh, I, I I met Stephen Nelson. Okay. And he had told me a little bit about it, um, just playing cards. Oh wow! <laughs> One night uh, with some random friends that he knew and I knew, uh, and so I looked it up and I was like, oh wow, this school. The words reimagine education, you know, were, like hit me yeah. because I've always been doing that. Uh, ever since I became a teacher, because I wasn't trained in teaching, I, I was trained in anthropology, and so and I spent m- tons of time in other cultures. Yeah. And so I've always been trying to reimagine how to do culture, uh, how to you know, yeah, mix cultures and and apply different things from other cultures to our culture because we uh, like have things to learn from each other. Yeah. And so I think the reimagine education part struck me. Um, and I myself had been trying to do that, and that led me to in the last like over the last ten years, uh, I mean, building a, a another school that reimagines education uh, for kids in nature. So yeah. my wife and I started Knox Forest School, and it, that's still my wife still directs it. It's kind of like her little treasure. Yeah. Like she literally found a treasure, you know, and like built it. So I worked with her and left the kind of traditional education model. And really saw the value in adding different elements to education, looking at education differently. Uh, and my kids went through that school, and so my my other passion comes into it, like not just reimagining education, but also like my own children and their path of education, because like being a father is one of the most important things to me. Yeah. And so like as they grew out of our school, we were looking for a path to bring them into a school that went through 12th grade. Yeah. Um, and then I was working uh, on a cabin in the mountains for my in-laws. We're building a, yeah, like a new bathroom for them. And I get a call from my wife, Sarah, and and I'm still working at the four school at the time. Yeah. She's like, there's an opening for social studies at Clayton Bradley. <laughs> And I was like, oh, I have background. I've taught world history and government economics before in school. Uh, I was like, oh, I got to apply right now, you know. And so I just jumped on the opportunity because I've been I've been hoping to get 
get our children into a school like this. Yeah. Um, and then went through the whole process and months later <laughs> found myself, uh, yeah, with like an actual treasure of being a teacher here. Yeah. You know, that's funny. You, you, so you're working with your wife on this, on forest school and, mm-hmm. and she calls you about taking another job. I mean, that's interesting. Yeah. I should read into that. Right. 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 Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'll write that down for our counseling session. There you go. <laughs> no, that's great. Um, and she's like, get out of this school. Right. Uh, no, we, we absolutely feel like you are, you, you may feel like you found a treasure, but we found like, feel, feel like we found a treasure in you uh, oh, here sweet. as well. And, and I know the students immediately gravitated towards you. Uh, that sixth and seventh grade can be challenging, right? I mean, you're talking yeah. about middle schoolers. You're talking about mm-hmm. that like 12, 11, 12, 13 year olds. And, and there's a lot that goes on uh, yeah. with 11, 12 and 13 year olds. And, and, and you have just, man, came in and, and picked up the reins there in, in sixth and seventh grade social studies. And I've heard great things from the students. Kind of outline when you're looking at what you do with, with your students in, in social studies, like what is your, I guess, goal? What what are you, what are you trying to accomplish? I, there's obviously, you know, we teach from standards and, and we're mm-hmm. always trying to get kids to master standards, but yeah. kind of that personal philosophy there of, of yeah. like, what are you trying to do with kids? What What's your goal every day? I mean, I think, I think the, the number one, like the heartbeat of what I'm trying to do with any student I work with is to help them feel what they're learning. Mm. So if I, yeah, along the way, I, I came to grips with that. I think it's in my own personal journey. If I wanted to really learn something, whether it's yeah, whether it's history or uh, uh, how to build something or how to have a good marriage or yeah. how to be a dad, anything. <laughs> if I can't feel what I'm doing, I can, I'm not connected to it. Mm. And so I immediately um, look at all teaching and all all. Um, anything I'm planning is to, and I ask the question like, how is this going to lend itself toward my students feeling what they're learning? And what are the options of what they're going to feel? And I really do want them to feel the whole gambit of emotion. Absolutely. uh, In order to like, yeah, to to learn new perspectives on a thing. Yeah. And yeah, I feel comfortable also pushed into something uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, and I, my daughter is in your class, so uh-huh. I, I get the student side of it, the parent side of it, you know, as well. Yeah. Um, and so hearing some of the things that you do with kids, I think shows that you value that relationship with them. You value yeah. them kind of, like you said, feeling emotions mm-hmm. and being okay with feeling those emotions. We yeah. On the podcast, we've had um, the guidance counselors in here talking about the power of emotions in our classroom mm-hmm. and the fact that it's not that we say we want only positive emotions in our classroom, no negative emotions. Mm-hmm. We know that a, ne- a negative emotions are also a big part of who you are, right? And, yeah. and so it's like learning how to manage those, learning how to work through those. Yeah. It's not avoiding them saying we never want to experience a bad thing. We're going to experience bad things in life. Yeah. And so I think that one of the things you do with history is help kind of experience that, like the positive sides, the negative sides, like this, there's a lot of things that took place. We're talking about real people, right? We're not talking yeah. about just these yeah. things out there in history or, or whatever. Like we're talking about real people that lived real lives mm-hmm. that went through real things. Yeah. Stories. Yeah. Stories of the past. So I think and that's we're connected great. to it. Yeah. And I know that you, you incorporate a lot of, of uh, different 
I guess from the outside looking in, you would say team building activities. Yeah. I don't know if, if you would just call them team building activities, but uh, <laughs> it's I think a good category. It's a good. It's a good title for. That's right. For it makes it, it look professional. Totally. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I know, like my child has even come home and described like some of the games that you've played with kids uh-huh. and in, in the class, and and she's telling me, you know kind of what she perceived from it, uh-huh. but I'm putting on my educator hat going, ah, oh, I see what he was doing there. Uh, <laughs> but I see that you use a lot of games, a lot of outdoor stuff with our kids, a lot yes. of hands-on things. So um, kind of what's your approach with that? Of How do you how do you mix that with history and, and yeah. like the standard that we're learning right now of, you know, whatever that may be mm-hmm. time period? Yeah, it's a fantastic question. I think that I, I think another couple components to, to the heartbeat of how I'm guided as a teacher. One, you have to feel what you're learning. And definitely in history, you have to feel their story. Mm. So like any, I mean, history is just story. Right. So I I incorporate a lot of storytelling. So, and we have like story time. So like we all loved as children to listen to the librarian read us a book. Yeah. Or to hear an oral story. Uh, And like most of our history of humankind is all oral history. It's all oral story. You know, writing has only been around in the gambit of history. It's only been around a very short period right. of time. If we look at the whole, and so I really love the idea, especially living in Appalachia, is such a really hallowed tradition to be able to tell a story. Yeah, you know, they said a good Appalachian storyteller could leave the leave the holler, go go down about a mile, pick up a bag of nails, return to his house, and over a pot of soup could entertain. Every the whole family with like what an exciting adventure that was while he to was go get a the bag, bag of nails, <laughs> right? Like that was Absolutely. a good storyteller. Hey, I know? grew up in that culture. I love it. Yeah, so I really love for the to, and if you hear a good story and you tell a good story, you can feel it. That's what mm. that's what helps you to drop into a story is your emotion. You yeah. Know? And so I tell stories and I teach the kids how to tell stories. Um, another component is play. Uh, and that is, in the last seven years, that's one of the the play and play outside are really two important components for I think all humans, but especially for humans growing. Uh, if I can get my kids to do something outside uh, and something imaginative, it really the environment just lends itself to expanding their understanding and their worldview mm-hmm. because literally the sky's the limit. Right. Like. Physically and literally, the <laughs> clouds are the ceiling. Yeah. Um, so their thoughts are more expansive. Their bodies are more expansive. They have room to, and a young person really needs needs room to to roam and explore. That's something we valued as kids mm-hmm. is the ability to roam and explore and make critical problem solving decisions outside of mitigated environments. Yeah. That are our modern day children don't have as much of. Yeah. Um, so I think any time we can do that in education, it's important. I've had that discussion with my wife. I I grew up Southern West Virginia. I've talked about that several times on the podcast, but uh, my, by the time middle school, I mean, really elementary school, we did a lot of outside play. I, I pick with my mom uh, and tell her like, she would kick us out of the house in the summer. And yeah. You weren't allowed to come back in. You can't. Like, yeah, that was just not a rule. <laughs> Indoors is off limits. That's right. Yeah, that was just not a thing. And then you'd come back at lunchtime, and it was like picnic lunch out on the porch, you know. And then, you know, she was, like, calling everybody in at dark, you know. Yeah. I mean, you were just outside. And 
I had some amazing times of, of fishing and exploring and building forts up in the woods. I mean, yeah. we did a lot of playing in the woods. Navigation became very important, yeah. that spatial intelligence of how to get back home. Uh-huh. Um, I, I look at that now with my own kids and I go, oh my gosh, I don't know. Um, I don't know if they would all have survived. <laughs> I look back on my childhood and I'm like, how did I survive? Yeah crawling through that tunnel and meeting that snake <laughs> how did i survive falling down out of that tree yeah. that i had no business climbing right and i learned that's how i learned not to climb trees like that right. it's like oh if i climb that again i'll fall <laughs> out of it and almost die <laughs> you know? we did a lot of, we, don't tell mom that's right we cut great we call them grape vines but they're not grape vines but that's what they're you know that's everybody calls them grape vines that grow yeah um, but you know we learned how to test them you know to see are they actually going to hold and then we would spend we'd spend half the day cutting this thing at the at the base because you know they were really thick at the bottom yeah and and we didn't have like great tools yeah we had some knives and stuff but i mean we didn't have great tools so we spend half the day cutting this thing and then the other half of the day just swinging i mean we would just swing out over the cliff it felt like you know i don't (laughs) looking back i you know through kid eyes there was a a chance of falling to my death (laughs) I don't, yeah, I would like to go back as an adult and see it to see like, was I, was it just like five feet or was it really like over a cliff and I could have really died? I don't know. Uh, But it felt like death Um, and it was a lot of fun growing up. But that play of of being able to explore and go through the mountains and go through the creeks and, um, you know, I remember catching my first rainbow trout in an area that I shouldn't have caught a rainbow trout. And really all I was doing was waiting on my brother. He was fixing his his line and it got knotted up you know and he was and i'm wasting my time because we were supposed to go down the creek <laughs> yeah. and i just threw my my line in and you know i had a crawdad on it that's up under rocks and that sort of thing and all of a sudden i bust this rainbow trout out of nowhere that my brother's like no you did not you know <laughs> and i'm like there's something on here you know and uh we pull this thing in and he's like oh my gosh it was like the biggest catch we've ever had <laughs> uh, because a lot of times we were just catching like creek creek chubs and yeah. you know that sort of thing, but you found you found the rainbow trout that day. The one rainbow trout, probably that it was probably the only one in that whole creek. <laughs> uh, but it For was years and people have tried to catch right. this trout. Yeah, it had a great story. Uh, <laughs> but that was like that was my childhood growing up, and and I I I really look at my kids and and miss that for them at times yeah. of that they didn't get that kind of experience they've got their own experience and they're going to yeah. have their own story you know and it's going to create them into the human that that they're going to be as an adult and, mm-hmm. and look back um and it's going to be different than mine and that's okay you know yeah. i've had to come to grips with that of of their story needs to be their story not my story yeah but what you're talking about with kids of giving them that opportunity to play and, and mm-hmm. we've got a great campus for that right we so do. yeah yeah um, and taking advantage of that, and I see that you guys are out a lot and yeah. and around. And um, my daughter was telling me about a scavenger hunt that apparently the council houses had done, and <laughs> yes. it surprised me none whatsoever as she described the the, the scavenger hunt, and she was like, "Mr. Otis made all of these." That's <laughs> <laughs> so she was like, "My group had to climb a tree to try to get our." Uh, our our clue or whatever. So, and I loved it. Like I, I'm yeah. sitting here as a dad, going, "This sounds like you had a great experience." Is what it sounds like. You yeah, know? it was hard for them. They, there was there was mystery, and I try, you know, I try to craft into because like when we're describing our childhood, we're describing soft skills mm-hmm. like collaboration, curiosity, problem solving, yeah, um, critical thinking. Like these are the things that 
that are at the heart of education. I mean, these are the skeletons, nervous system, you know, you, you, you like lymphatic system of education of the soft yeah. skills. And so if we can incorporate those in, in like just everything we do, then like when they, you know, when they leave middle school, when they leave high school, if they have those soft skills, when they enter into their professional careers or whatever they're doing or artists careers, like those are the things that are going to guide them. Mm. Uh, and those, are, I, I actually also really firmly believe that those are the things that still retain wonder in humans. Mm. So there's a lot of humans that, that turn kind of into rocks over time, you know, <laughs> like their emotions they, that we tend to kind of close down, close off, like get into categorization and aren't open. Uh, and then like our neuroplasticity is like it dims and our yeah. electric brains like start growing darker. But I think that if we continue to use the soft skills, we retain wonder and wonder is one of the great what wonder is the great wonder of the world. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> like and I think that's humans are built to express wonder. That's one of our goals. Yeah. I mean, that's one of our original instructions. It, Absolutely. It is that we are wonderful beings. Well, know? and I think you look at that in history of what caused a person to get on a boat and say, I, I want to go as far as I can see out on this ocean and, yeah. and see if I fall off. And yeah, think I might that fall off. I you... might fall off. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I, yeah. I, I don't think I'm going to, but, I, mm-hmm. you know, that could happen. Or, you know, you look at, at, there's some great, there are some really great, and I don't know how much of it is historically accurate at times. I know they have to, you know, you have to make the story interesting to watch, but there are some great documentaries about, like, the, the people that kind of explored, the people that mm. explored America or the people that you know, like made that step to say, I'm going to just go and see how far this goes. Mm-hmm. And I bet we can cut a path through this mountain or I bet, mm-hmm. you know, we can follow this creek. You know, you look at the, the stuff of what Daniel Boone did to come through uh, the Cumberland Gap. Cumberland what, Gap. That's right. <laughs> yeah. uh, when you look at Lewis and Clark, you know, it, yeah trying to find the west coast like mm-hmm. and you go what 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 drove them well it's exactly what you're talking about it's that wonder of i want to see what's out there and i might die doing this yeah um, and there's not a lot of things in in present world there's not that kind of discovery to be had as much mm-hmm. but there is still a lot of discovery to be had yeah. you know it's just a different type of discovery now and we need those individuals that have those skills that you were talking about that yeah um uh, that also possess and and show life skills lifelong guidelines that they have that desire to explore and mm-hmm. see what road you know where this road might take or yeah. where this path might take or to cut a new path for somebody i mean that's yeah. part of that mascot for the upper school was the trailblazer that yeah. people that are willing to go where nobody else has gone to cut a path for somebody else to follow yeah um, and so that's exciting. When you look at your sixth and seventh grade history, mm-hmm. um, you know, this is just to date this this podcast. This is at the end of the first nine weeks. Yes. So you've been at CBA for the first nine weeks. You've had a great time, I think, with your students. I know my personal student has had a great time in your class. But what what does the next three nine weeks look like? What is your first mm-hmm. year at CBA? What do you what do you think it's gonna look like? I think, you know, I I spent the first like three, four weeks just getting to know the students. Um, seeing how they tick how, with their personalities, really paying attention um, to, to, so that I can know what what to what kinds of assignments to create. Yeah, I think it's important to to 
to go into in any environment, any class, any group of people, and just like observe and watch. Um, and then, you know, I have a sense of where I want to go. You know, I'm going 500 to 1500 AD. So there are like important things to cover, like right. medieval Europe, uh, but also like what is this? What does the world look like at this time? Mm. So, and that's where like the love of culture comes in. It's like, what did pre-colonial America look like? You know, like when, when Bartram first came and looked at the Appalachians, he said that they seemed like they were on fire with the rhododendron and azaleas, uh, you know, and uh, everywhere. He said the whole mountains were on fire. And oh, he wow. saw these like big 12 foot thick chestnut trees and like forests so thick that you couldn't, it would take you weeks to go a mile. Wow. Like imagine like the, the kind of environment, you know. And so I want to like picture that and like build a whole world of imagination for what, what was, what did this land look like before we charted paths through it? Uh, what did medieval China, what was it like? What are the discoveries there in India and Mongolia and some of these places, we can't get to them all in a year, but what are the important parts and can we, can we experience even a culture that we're unaware of? Like we think that right now we're in medieval Europe and so, you know, all the kids are in their own little kingdoms and they all have their own little roles. You know, even today we had a discussion in class on the Crusades and I had them do the discussion, Harkness, I'm a big fan of Harkness yeah. oval table discussion. And I had them do the discussion as their character. So you're like, you know, you're a blacksmith. So at this, you need to talk about the Crusades as a blacksmith, mm. you know, like you might be super tired. Like you're making like sword after sword after sword. You need more blacksmiths. Like we need more people to start making swords. You right. know, and like how do your how does the lord or lady or the merchant or the farmer or the grower feel about it? What about all the peasants marching off to the first crusade? Because like God wills it and everybody gets excited and they go. And now all of a sudden, like you're stuck at home, like trying to grow and gather all the harvest by yourself or mm. with a handful. How do you feel about that? So that's one of those things that uh, you know that no matter where we are, I'm excited to always enter into the historical period as a character in the story or, uh, you know, as a role, you know, and Nick Starkey does that with the Oregon Trail. Yep. And like when I talk to the students about their fifth grade experience, they always bring that up. Absolutely. So they remember that. It's like burned into, the, it's like you catching your rainbow trout. It's like, oh, I died on the Oregon Trail or I made it. I lived on the Oregon Trail. Right. You know, Which very few can say that. <laughs> I know. There's only a, I went and looked at it two weeks ago and like, I was like, what, five of you were left alive? And I was like, that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, uh, my, the, the joke came, my son went through that, that, uh, that uh, project and there was somebody in his group that the roll of the dice, you know, determines kind of sometimes the decision, you know, right. they're making or whatever. <laughs> and one of the people the in his fates. group that like he was hoping would survive, had a chance and then had rolled the die on something considered when it came to eating something, he ended up like eating someone's shoe, getting tuberculosis <laughs> and dying, you know, and it was like our lone hope ate someone's shoe of, you know, it's like the, Listen, I was of, hungry. The, out of the most, like you couldn't find anything else to eat. Are you serious? You know, so but the stuff they learn in that. And At least they didn't run into the Donner Party. That's right. right yeah, <laughs> you know, there's always the possibility of that happening. Uh, we had to have that discussion too. Uh, but it's it's learning through history in that context of you taking on that persona, and it's exactly what you said: the storytelling then yeah. that can come from that. You know, we sit around the table still and laugh about this. 
Yeah. He's in ninth grade now. Like he has, he's, he's been, been four busy. years yeah. since fifth grade, you know, but we still sit around the table sometimes and, and you know, something will be said and that'll come up. And he was like, well, just don't eat somebody's shoe and get tuberculosis. <laughs> and you know, it's he like, will never, ever eat a shoe. He will never eat a shoe. I've got, <laughs> I know that. From that that's right. <laughs> Um, and so, you know, when you're looking at that with, I know the medieval project, it was, it was one that you kind of, you inherited an amount of how that medieval project yeah. has done. And then you've put your own twist to it and, mm-hmm. and the kids have embraced that and love taking on those characters, love trying yeah. to think what that's like. I mean, and we all do this, you know, how many times have you been on a hike and, and, you know, you come around the corner and it opens up and you just see like, you know, this vast oh, forest yeah. in front of you and you go, as much as we feel like everything is developed and you can still find those areas where it's like you can't see a developed thing mm. in this view. And I know personally, I look and, and go back to some of those early settlers and go, what what was going through their head? You know, to come around the bend and you just see this forest yeah. open up of, you know, the waves of, of the mountains and the trees. And, and that, I, I, I can only imagine what, was going through their head at that time. Can you imagine never seeing or hearing a grizzly bear before? You don't know it exists. Yeah. All of a sudden, it exists. <laughs> wow. And that thing comes or the around. ocean, a blue right. whale swims Oh, my by. gosh. Or a sperm whale or, you know, yeah. a great Moby Dick whale. You know, like, wow. And I love experiencing those. Even with my kids, you know, we look at that for vacation. We, we're we not the typical vacation family of just, like, go to the beach. Yeah. Um, although some of – we've had that. I think, you know, one of my children would love for us to just go to the beach. And we try to incorporate <laughs> that into. But um, I don't have anything wrong with the beach. But we want to give our kids those experiences, you know. So we're looking at, like, hey, where can we go? Where can we – take them where they can see something that is not just in a video or in a book, but yeah. actually see it for themselves. And we went out, I, I personally never need to go on another whale watching uh, trip, <laughs> but we went out on this whale watching trip. I get, I get motion sick. Okay? Oh, yeah. It's and hard so to be on a boat. <laughs> you get on this boat and they're like, we're going to drive out in the ocean for three hours. Like that's what I don't, I can't remember the distance, but it felt like, forever and you know i'm doing all the tricks they're saying to do you know look out at the horizon i've got motion sick bands on you know i'm doing all the things and uh, luckily i did not throw up on that trip but when we got out there and then all of a sudden these whales start flipping their tails up and and we saw like eight or nine whales in in the course of our time out there to see that for real you know and like you were saying just the size of them and the smells and you know because they would tell us oh well you'll smell their you know the air from their blowholes and uh, and i'm going we're out in the ocean like you can't see shore and i'm supposed <laughs> to smell air from that blowhole down. and then it's all of a sudden it hits you and you're like wow. oh i did just smell something different like yeah. i smelled that thing snot um you know that's what it you know it feels like but those experiences uh-huh. and the chance to give our kids those experiences through what you're doing in class and through yeah. history and trying to give them that real life but also whatever we can create then Mm -hmm. you know because we can't necessarily take every kid to see a whale but um but you do look for those opportunities of where can we take kids what experiences Mm -hmm. can we put kids in that they have that real life experience so they can Mm -hmm. then have that story to tell yeah Um, and that's what i'm hearing even like i said from my own personal kid but just from students that are coming out of, of what you're doing is mm-hmm. they, they're, they're coming out with those stories. They're coming mm-hmm. out with that experience. They're coming out with that emotion that's mm-hmm. tagged it now that says this was a really cool day. Yeah. Um, and I love that because I had some history teachers that were not like that. 
<laughs> I did too. <laughs> <laughs> I had some that I wish were a little bit more engaging. Uh-huh. Um, now, I also had some amazing storytellers. I did too. Um, yeah, that, one of the reasons why I teach history is because of Ur- Sherry Earl. Yeah. So yeah. You're, you're in medieval history right now. Um, mm-hmm. NHD is coming up. You're going to you're, oh, you're yeah, starting on those projects. Oh, yeah, we've done a ton of stuff with NHD. Next week we're going to the Hodges Library at UT, and they've already chosen their – they're groups and they're, oh boy, it's so fun to watch a sixth and seventh graders, like even choose groups. There's so much emotion involved. Like, who am I going to partner with? Who am I going to belong to yeah. and belong with? Like, wh- what's my group? And then what are we going to gonna research? And all the questions involved in that, like coming up together, like collaborating together on what you want to research. Yeah. It's just fun to watch. This age is really, really... You know, when I tell people I'm teaching like middle school, because I love teaching middle school, and they're like, oh, <laughs> good luck, or like, oh, I'm so sorry. As a teacher, like, that was the only this... job you had open. <laughs> right, right. It's like, oh, you t- oh, you poor thing. Thank you, and I'm sorry. You know, I was like, no, no, no. Like, we all went through the gamut. We all went yeah. through the, the rite of passage, as it were, the tunnel, the labyrinth of becoming mm-hmm. and we're I think we're always going through that in different ways yeah um, but this is such a visceral emotion filled uh, you know chemical filled with time where you really it's like your first journey of adulthood mm. your very initial first journey uh, yeah and it's so interesting to watch and see and there's so much mystery to it that it is like coming around the corner and finding a grizzly bear in your own body you yeah know, like finding a grizzly bear of emotion you right know, i never knew that existed in me right and like now what do i do with it um whoa uh, you know and then learning to live in harmony with it is the great you yeah. know it takes two to three years of of the middle school journey and i just love watching it and encouraging it yeah uh, and then telling them it's okay it's okay where you are and uh, you know it's okay that you feel awful it's okay that you feel so great it's okay that you're sad that you're happy you know, it's all okay. It's all part of you. And it's great hearing a teacher talk about that, that, that is working with these students because so much of society is telling them to either grow up right, or that it's not okay to, to have that emotion right now yeah. or whatever. And so to have somebody that's just wanting to like, it's okay to be there. And, yeah. and that's one of the things that I've tried to do with my own personal kids as well of, of that like live in that moment. Like mm. you're only going to be in this moment one one time yeah. in your life, yeah. and then there, then there's another moment. And so it's love this moment. Like let's let's bring it all in mm-hmm. and and go through it. You know the the, yeah. the pain and the struggle and the joy and the happiness and like this is what makes you who you are. And yeah. and to hear a teacher not, I guess acknowledging that, not trying to keep a kid from that because that's that's going to be part of their growing up, right? Mm-hmm. That's part of maturity. Mm-hmm. And we know what the brain scans say, that there literally are a lot of things being released in their body. There's a lot of chemicals being released in their body that that it is exactly what you described. It's the, the grizzly bear that they've never encountered, and their mm-hmm. body goes, I don't know what to do with that yet. you know. And their mm-hmm. brain has to process that, and then they start to put those receptors out there, and they start to mm-hmm. kind of figure out how to, how to deal with those chemicals and, yeah. and that sort of thing. But literally for middle school, that's – there are a lot of chemicals being released that their body goes, wait, where did that thing come from? Uh, You know, I don't know what to do with that yet. And their brain has to, you know, develop those receptors and and put that together. And it's a, it's an amazing thing that happens uh, Mm. as they go through that process. And so embracing it 
as ugly as it is at times, but also as fun as it is at times. You know, you're what what I loved about middle school and and what I hear and some of what you're describing is that they still enjoy playing and you know like they still have that kid element that they enjoy yeah and then they also transition into this like i want to be big and i want to be adult you know and i want to do so it's this cool like back and forth yeah and and so you just kind of harness that and like this is going to be a fun ride guys let's 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 enjoy it tears down the walls yeah absolutely and so you've got nhd that that kind of goes until february march i Mm -hmm. guess um and so kids will be working as they're doing other things in your class on mm-hmm. the NHD. NHD is not the only thing that we do from, yeah. you know, this, yeah. from now until March. <laughs> no, we've got the medieval fair coming up. So they're going to prepare lots of like medieval stuff, like medieval Europe fair. You know? Oh, nice. Uh, and then in the uh, and in the spring, I, you know, I really don't, you know, I, I'm, I'm excited as my, in, in my first year to know where we're going to go, like the mystery of where we're going to go. Yeah. I'm already like starting to think and ponder and wonder and, Ask them questions, you know, about where they'd like to go and like yeah. what, what questions do they have about the unknown. And so I'm excited to see what, what happens. Yeah. You know, like I need to discover my own learning. Which, you know, you know time period wise, coming out of the Crusades, that's a lot of what the world was trying to figure out. Like, it, where do you go totally. from here? <laughs> <laughs> like, what? yeah. And I think that we, I think like if we could go back, we could do things a little bit different. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Just a little you know, bit. <laughs> um, that was an interesting time period once after the Crusades, yeah. you know, because it was a lot of that, like, oh, my gosh, you know, where, where do you go from here? And so mm-hmm. um, that's exciting to hear. I know it's going to be great to watch from the outside, but also yeah. um, allowing my kid to experience it from the inside of your classroom. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm excited to see that. Thank you so much for sitting down. Yeah, you're so welcome. Having this discussion. You know, it'd be interesting to see what people hear from it on the podcast, because I think <laughs> yeah. we've had a great time. Um, yeah, you know, hopefully it translates uh, through the through the speaker the same way. Um, but I appreciate that. Thank you for what you do for our kids and, mm-hmm. and the the level of excitement you bring to the classroom has mm-hmm. been a breath of fresh air for our sixth and seventh grade, I think. And, and I appreciate that. That's a joy. It's a pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. This has been the Ignition Point, Clayton Bradley Academy's podcast, where every day we work to help students excel through critical thinking, problem solving, collaboration, and use of our lifelong guidelines and life skills. If you'd like to find out more about the school, you can find us on our website, www.claytonbradleyacademy.org, where you can find us on social media sites at CBA STEM or at Clayton Bradley Academy. We hope you have a wonderful day.